Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, good morning. That's right, it's uh, your Pacific Currents and my name is Pierre Morrow and I'll be bringing you up to half past nine this morning and I'll be my by myself. Um, Giselle is taking a well-deserved break for today and we've actually only got a couple of shows to go before we take a break for the year. But um, as usual, thanks to Annie for another very interesting show of Solidarity Breakfast and that song that you were hearing in the break was Song from the Eureka Stockade by David Rovics. And of course, as Pacific Currency is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links and you can contact Australia Asia Worker Links um, going on our website all the W's aawl.org.au on our Facebook or Twitter and uh, you'll be able to um, hear lots of uh, these stories and get more background on what we talk about um, our phone is actually still disconnected because we are changing offices at Trades Hall, but um, we'll be we'll soon be right there as well. And on today's um, program, you will have uh, the usual. We'll have the usual roundup of uh, news from the uh, labour labour movement in the region. But also um, in the second half of the program, you'll have an in- interview that I um, conducted. Um, Earlier this week with Dane Coleman, who is a ETU maintenance worker down at SO in Longford in Gippsland, about the um, I think about five and a half months long community assembling and dispute against the the, the huge uh, SO uh, gas and oil field um, company or, or um, workplace there, and it's really all about an EBA and about how the government the um, the company is trying. to to um, bring down wages and conditions. Really very much the usual thing, but um, as people know, ESO is part of Exxon, which is, um, I think, in the top 10 companies of the world. So another global company who's engaged in an incredible race to the bottom. And um, before we get to um, um, to the news um, items, I always promise um, Giselle that I will play this. Time now for Piers Weather Report, according to personal feelings and observations, and definitely not based on any science. Spoken by C. Benito and definitely not endorsed by the Bureau of Meteorology. Well, it's a shame that Giselle is not here. Hopefully she'll be hearing because, Giselle, as you can see outside the window, um, the weather forecast is very simple. Rain. Uh, it's been having a, a great downpours over the last 24 hours. Uh, very well, uh, nice um, late spring, early summer rain and hopefully the flooding up in the north of Victoria won't be too bad. Um, but we'll go straight to the news items where the first one comes here from Australia. It's on, another ongoing dispute. Um, where a casual worker um, here in Melbourne um, who was employed by the global stevedoring giant International Container Terminal Services, or ICTSI, who we have brought some news um, in the last few months about other issues in their other uh, container ports um, around the, the region, was targeted by management because he had filed a complaint against, uh, against them about bullying. 
um, a community protest has now been established outside the workplace to support this worker. The Maritime Union of Australia has been trying to establish minimum standards for wages and conditions at this port, um, well, this section of the port, uh, operated by ICTSI, uh, but the company has refused to negotiate with the union. The um, chief executive of ICTSI uh, is actually on record for saying countries with the best infrastructure in the world are dictatorships. So that's basically the kind of worldview that this company, ICTSI, has. So if you've got time, you want to support these workers, there's a community assembly. Uh, It's a 24-hour community assembly at 78 WebDoc Drive in Port Melbourne. So that address is 78 WebDoc Drive in Melbourne. And um, I will announce this at the end of the program as well. Um, We can now go to, to... India, where up to nine workers were killed last week at a tunnel construction site when the elevator they were in plunged over 70 metres. The workers were working on a major water infrastructure project near Akole village, around 100 kilometres from the city of Pune in eastern India. Preliminary inquiries point to the main elevator cable breaking while the workers were being brought up to the surface. The local government has ordered an inquiry into this incident and has promised um, 200,000 rupees of compensation to the families of the workers killed. We now go to China, which uh, unfortunately more bad news, but um, there is a bit of a mystery around um, this one. A major explosion that leveled many buildings killed at least two people and injured around 30, uh, some very seriously. The blast happened in a disused factory building in the eastern Chinese port city of Ningbo, and windows were shattered up to one kilometre from the blast site. So that gives you an indication of how big this explosion was. But interestingly, the actual cause of this explosion is still unclear. But it is probable that either chemicals were being stored there illegally or the factory was operating some kind of uh, also an illegal operation. Now, unfortunately, industrial incidents in China are still very common and up to 30,000 workers a year are believed to be killed while at their workplaces. Hey, this is Nick Rimpinyar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. In um, another um, event that's um, happening in Australia that you can, um, or in Melbourne that you can take part, although it, it is happening all around Australia, is that about the um, the visit by well-known USA far-right propagandist Marlo Yiannopoulos. Um, now, he has now started the speaking tour of Australia. The first one was yesterday in Adelaide. Now, Marlo, as a lot of people would know, is a mouthpiece for the far-right in the USA, targeting minority, the labour movement and the left in general. Marlo is um, backed by far-right news outlets like the Breitbart News Network and capitalists like billionaire Robert Mercer. 
Centre in the USA. His tour of Australian cities has received wide coverage on mainstream media, while Marla has also been invited to speak at the Australian Parliament. And uh, if people actually go on the site and have a bit of a look, um, the, the MCs for his uh, speaking engagements here in Australia are either, uh, well, are both, uh, depending on which city, uh, El- um, Andrew Bolt or Mark Latham. Um, now, not surprisingly, anti-fascist groups are organising protest as is public engagement. There was one in Adelaide. There's um, Sydney and Perth also planned. And, of course, there's one in Melbourne tomorrow. Uh, the venue is still secret, unfortunately. They still haven't re- released where the venue is. Um, the protest, um, but we believe it will be somewhere in the CBD. Uh, the protest will start at uh, 7 o'clock. The best way is go on the on Facebook site of of um, campaign against racism and fascism, uh, click on the on the campaign page, and we'll let you know as soon as we find out where the venue is. We now go to um, India, where another bit of um, bad news um, on the twenty first of November. Sudip Data Bomik, a journalist at the Sandan Patrika newspaper and the local television channel Vanguard, was shot dead by a soldier belonging to the Tripura State Rifles. Now, Sudip is believed to have been killed because of his ongoing investigation of financial irregularities within the battalion. Now, unfortunately, Sudip is the second journalist murdered in the in the state of Tripura in the last two months and the third across India. Now, newspapers all across the state of uh, Tripura rank, um, ran blank editorial pages at a pro- as a protest against the murder of the fellow journalist. This is James Henry here and you're listening to 3CR, 8.55am and digital streaming on 3cr.org.au. And um, a couple more um, stories. We, um, uh, let's see, we'll, uh, we'll go over to South Korea where the South Korean workers are continuing their offensives against the government for the rights on multiple fronts. On November 30, just a couple of days ago, the newly unionised workers of the Seoul Metro Line began a strike against their employer, RATP Dev Transderve. Now, workers are fighting against the company's attempts to cut workers' conditions and its union-busting attempts by bringing in scab labour. In another dispute, tens of thousands of building workers stayed a mass rally and demonstration outside the South, the South Korean parliament last week. They were demanding that the government pass legislation to guarantee the right to form, a, form and join a union as well as a living retirement allowance. So that's great to see um, our comrades in uh, South Korea being so active. And um, on, uh, on, need, on the need to be active, um, coming back here to Australia, a landmark study looking at the working conditions of temporary workers in Australia across all visa classes has highlighted how widespread and systemic the exploitation is. Now, we've raised this issue a number of, of times, but um, again, the, the, uh, once again, a report has shown how structural and really criminal it is. Now, the report 
report showed how underpayments and bad working conditions exist across all industry for all uh, short-term migrant workers, but was especially prevalent in the food services retail areas and especially severe in the fruit and vegetable picking sector. Uh, this situation has come about through lex regulations and a criminal negligent negligence in the enforcement of standards like minimum wage. Now, of course, as listener, only strong and independent unions will be able to rectify this situation by organising workers and pushing for better conditions. And um, I was just looking at the at the time, uh, wondering whether I've got time for another news item. And um, yes, I do have uh, have uh, have time. And um, we go to um, to Thailand. As you can hear my uh, paper rattling. Where um, Pen in- International, the human rights group uh, that focuses on uh, on writers and um, journalists uh, and, and from human rights, uh, um, have got a um, an international appeal in support of Sulak Sivaraksa in Thailand. Now, Sulak Sivaraksa, who's aged eighty five, is a long time social critic in uh, in Thailand and an author of over one hundred books. Now, he has come up to the attention of the authorities for um, a, um, um, a speech he gave in 2014, so three years ago, and now he's facing trial under the highly repressive Les Majest Law, or Article 112. So um, he's um, one of the many, unfortunately, that is facing um this uh, this repression so um we'll certainly um keep an eye out for his um for his case and uh, we'll see how it goes but that's all that i've got time for for the news roundup for today we'll go to a break and then we'll be back with the interview uh with dane coleman about the um so dispute at longford <laughs> In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. And I can actually recommend that book. I've got one at home. So it's a great read and it... uh, uh, obviously, it's hard to encapsulate um, 40 years of uh, of history of the station and the thousands of people that have uh, come across, but it certainly gives you a very good snapshot of um, where we've come, why we are here, and why we are continuing. Um, anyway, it's uh, just on 16 past 9 o'clock. Uh, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite radio station, 3CR Radio. As I said at the start of the 
um, of this program, I was fortunate enough uh, early in the week to um, uh, to catch up with some of the uh, um, workers who are in dispute uh, against ESSO down at Longford. And I um, interviewed um, Dane Coleman, who's an ETU maintenance worker, about some of the issues and some of the dynamics of the dispute. The workers down at Longford who were employed at the ESSO, by the ESSO company have now been out on the picket line for over five months. Can you give us a bit of a background to the dispute? How did it start? Okay, so UGL Kafa is a subcontractor to ExxonMobil. They do the maintenance programs on their facilities onshore and offshore. We were in bargaining processes with that company for two years and the company had no reason to give us any bargaining. They didn't bargain in good faith and after the two years their contract ended they went from UGL Kafer to UGL Limited. So all they did was drop one side of the company, which we took to the, the Fair Work Commission on a transfer of business clause. We failed in the commission as the company said that they have seven shelf companies that they can grab another EBA off. And each of those EBAs was between 30 to 50% less with less conditions and no rosters. Currently, the, the guys were on a seven-on, seven-off roster, and it's an open-ended statement in their clauses which says you may be entitled to work up to five-week period and have one week at home, which if you're a family person, you can't. how do you tell your son that you're going to work for five weeks, up to five weeks, and you may only be home for one of those weeks? I think all our listeners would understand that that is a, a shocking position that the company put you on, and especially in terms of using Shelf Company, which many of our listeners um, around the Asia-Pacific region unfortunately know all too well. So how many workers are involved, and what happened when they reject or they said this agreement is really bad and we're not going to accept it? Between three main sites, which is LIP, Longford, and the offshore facilities, there would be 200 maintenance workers and their local maintenance workers in smaller communities. So the financial effect to those communities is great. Prior to our industrial action, which is a community protest, nothing other, because we rejected the company's offer and decided to campaign against that. So... Prior to our dispute, there was a camp staff that went from Sodexo to a company called ESS. They never campaigned against those actions, and that's seen a complete workforce come in from interstate and international workers on less conditions and less rosters, which was a total of up to $15 million loss in that community, our communities. So what's been the feeling like for the workers? Um, because they went out and they've been on the picket line for over five months. Can you describe it for our listeners? We are strong and we will not give up the campaign against the evil in corporate multinationals, avoiding tax, taking our resources and disposing of family communities. 
And what's been the company's response to you being on the picket line and, and holding strong? Have they made any moves to say they might want to negotiate? There has been no scene of negotiation. The company have just have hired interna- interstate workers, some local workers that haven't been in the industry, so they're under-trained, under-skilled. They're endangering the lives of the people working these facilities by being under-trained and under-skilled. We get information through past workers that are still on those facilities working for ExxonMobil, and that information comes back with detrimental effects. They had cut into live process line, which could have risked a complete facility. But of course, um, again, for the, for the listeners, we're talking about a, that you've been working on a huge gas plant. So it's actually quite specialised and dangerous work. Yeah, highly skilled work done by workers with anywhere from 10 to 40 years experience in oil and gas. Trained, experienced people. And do you think that this action by the company, given that it is um, the parent company is ESSO, which is part of ExxonMobil, one of the biggest companies in the world, is part of a, of a bigger strategy or was it just a local company, do you think, that did this? ExxonMobil, in a statement from their CEO, said they've got a gas reserve out offshore at the moment that supplies more gas than what they've extracted from that field in its whole entire life. So the wages and conditions that they're trying to set at the moment are detrimental to the income and revenue to Australia through taxes. So basically it's a, it's a global strategy to really undercut costs and also cut the power of, of the workers. Exactly. So what's been the reaction from other workers um, in, in the region? Because being relatively small communities, a lot of workers uh, would know each other. There's a difference between the local community workforce and the workforce in a specialised industry that's union-backed. The understanding of difference between the two industries is somewhat unknown and the 40 years that have been fought for those paying conditions for a corporate multinational that can afford to do what they're doing. As we've mentioned, you've been out for five months, which uh, is a long time in uh, anyone's uh, term. You're holding firm down there at Longford. Can you tell us some of the other actions that you've uh, taken to put pressure on the company? So we've uh, visited other sites, refineries in Geelong, uh, Altona, and we've been to the Northern Territory. We've been up there, visited. There's a 6,000 strong workforce up there. They've got UGL working on site. Fortunately, they've got people working a four weeks on, one week off roster, which is what we've campaigned against. And they've seen 13 fatalities due to suicide. So one confirmed suicide and one attempt in the recent month which is absolutely disgusting we walked into UGL head office in Victoria in Melbourne and we sat down with the HR and one of their general managers to discuss that with him and he said if it's about the roster you are on a better roster than what we have in the country around the country and we replied with well you can change that at any time there is nothing in your EBA that says you can't dictate a different roster to what you've put in there and faced him with the fact of the 13 suicides on the Itchies program in the Northern Territory. I mean, that's a shocking statistic, um, Dane, that you've just told us. So have the workers at other sites uh, been able to give you some practical solidarity? 
They certainly have. Financial donations and visits from their sites to our sites has been fantastic. Uh, we've had rallies in Melbourne, two now, one through sale, and we've had multiple unions turn up at those those rallies. We are heading to Darwin again. Uh, instead of coming back via Victoria, we will go to South Australia, then to Canberra, and we'll be campaigning at the front front of Canberra Parliament. For unionists and, and workers listening to this um, broadcast, this interview, what um, would you like them to do or what kind of solidarity could they offer to you? For one, if you're not in a union, join a union. A strength in mum- numbers will always get a win. That's a golden rule. So one more question, Dane, before we let you go. And as you said, uh, it has been a long day for you. We've got lots of uh, things to do. We basically, just at the start of December, we're going to the summer holiday period. It's Christmas. How long do you think the dispute is going to go for? Any idea? There's a lot of pressure on Exxon via Exxon through to UGL because of the failures in work that's not being completed as well as the underskilling and the incidents, the rising number of incidents on those high-risk facilities will not be tolerated by a parent company. So in other words, you think that the end is in sight? We certainly hope so, but we're in it for the long haul, so we'll be there as long as it takes. Thank you very much, Dan, and I'm sure I speak uh, on behalf of all the listeners. We wish you all the best, and uh, as the saying goes, the Workers United will never be defeated. Stay strong, thank you. Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. And the interview that uh, you've just been listening to, or you just listened to, was with Dane Coleman from uh, the uh, ETU down in uh, Longford about the uh, SO dispute and why they've been out for over five months and there's a committee and assembly um, there in Longford. And uh, go to the ETU or the AMWU um, Facebook sites for the Victorian divisions and you can find more information. Um, or you can always, uh, we've put that uh, item up in our news on our news website as well now just to on the last couple of minutes that we've got just on 27 past and nine o'clock just to remind people i was going to say all the background of that interview um was because um the interview was conducted at the end of the inaugural and the launch of the workers solidarity group so it's a it's a new group um uh that's come together to support workers in struggle and um they're organizing the um, 24-hour community assembly down uh, in support of the dock workers um, and the um, MUA attempts to um, get better wages and condition. So um, if you want to find out more, you can always go to the Worker Solidarity uh, Facebook site. It's just been created two days ago. Uh, but otherwise, if you're in Melbourne, you can go to the 24-Hour Community Assembly. Uh, it's at 78 Web Dock Drive, Port Melbourne. Uh, and also, don't forget, uh, on Monday night, there's um, a counter-protest to the far-right propagandist um, Marlo Yanopoulos. Um, again, like I said, the, um, it will be at 7 o'clock somewhere in or around the CBD. We do not know where the, um, his, the venue is. It's been held a secret to try and, uh, and derail our protest, but it won't. Uh, we're prepared to go wherever it is, and we are ready wherever location it is. Um, so that's Monday, uh, 
7, 7 p.m. if you want more information and to stay tuned and find out uh, their location whenever it's been it's it's released go on the facebook page of um, campaign against racism and fascism and that's really all i've got um, for you today um you've been listening to asia pacific currents brought to you every week by australia asia worker links again if you want more details about what we've been talking about go to our um, facebook site and they'll be up uh, tomorrow night um, and also we've got a lot of background on other issues as well my name is Pierre Morrow. That's all that I've got for you today. Stay tuned for 3CR Radio. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, after this community announcement, uh, Palestine Remembered will be coming on. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.